Clay, after 550,000 episodes of Star Trek or whatever we've seen at this point, I thought I'd seen it all. Mm. But then this party scene where these aliens just whip out their balls and start rubbing them in front of everybody. And Janeway's down there, crotch level. Yeah. Everyone's very interested in it. And then to top it all off, Neelix whips out his balls later on yep. and starts rolling them around in his hands. And Tom Paris is like, well, this is this is a hell of a thing that I've seen right here. I, I don't think I've ever, even on the sexiest episodes of Star Trek, I'm not sure I've seen so much ball play as this episode. Well, you know, I made some requests and I said, you know, I'm coming to set. <laughs> is there anything that you can shoot that I might want to watch? And, you know, I stayed the whole day. <laughs> Bring extra coconut oil. I'll be down in 10 minutes. They said, they said, do you need a set of balls? And I said, I brought my own. <laughs> a very sexy episode of Star Trek that we're about to talk about, which is called Remember. Um, before we get to that, I just wanted to say that we're far enough along now that the Deadwood podcast is out and about. So I might mention this on the next couple episodes. But if you're interested, the show's called Something Pretty. Me and Claire are talking about all the Deadwood episodes on HBO. You can check that out on the PenskeFile.com. It's not on YouTube, so you have to actually subscribe to the uh, the podcast feed. That's it. Limited, 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 extremely limited. We're not we're not going to uh, spray with a shotgun. This kind of content it stays laser focused, much like this episode called "Remember." So let's get to this one. It's the sixth episode of the third season. Feels like we haven't talked about Voyager in six weeks, but I don't know. Mm. Maybe that's just me. First aired the 9th of October, nineteen ninety six. Teleplay by Lisa Klink. Story credit goes to Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, directed by Weinrich Colby in Universe State 50203.1. We're now in the 5,000s of the Universe State, I guess. I mean, something. 2373. In Remember, Bolana Torres receives vivid dreams from an unknown passenger aboard Voyager. She does. Um, yeah, that's... Yes. It's a weird way to describe the episode, but that is true, yes. It's a it's a decent log line. It doesn't really explain what's going on, but it's true. And yeah, you know, yeah. it explains what it is. Uh what'd you think about this one called Remember? Which is there's another TNG episode called Remember Me, which is uh also about romantic relationships. So it must just be something to do with remember. What'd you think about this one? Well, uh I wonder if Rick Berman had a writing credit on this for the line where the female alien asks Harry Kim to help address her minor flow issue. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then there's a couple <laughs> winks back and forth. Um, Harry Kim's new strange to bring back Deadwood uh, terminology there. What a weird side plot that is where yeah, she's that, just that into him. Goes nowhere. And yeah. she's into him. And then at the end, he's just like, you know, you know, babe, we should listen to Bolana. I kind of trust her. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the entire point that they have a relationship. What I a know, weird storyline. I know we've just met and <laughs> probably have just held hands a couple times, but I really do think that you should forsake your entire uh, culture for the culture. sake of my, of my friend here. <laughs> um, I am. I'm happy that they took appropriate precautions and made sure not to have... Uh, Bruce Davison and Tom Paris anywhere near each other. Otherwise, it might have been a time cop situation where the same mass can't uh, exist at, in the same place. Two versions of the same mass can't exist in the same place. Otherwise, there's like a total protonic <laughs> reversal. So you don't think well, one's a dark time, mirror of the other one? It's not like Mancy and Antimatter where they would just collide and destroy maybe. the universe. I I I was a little disappointed when I realized they weren't actually going to share a scene together. Yeah. Um, because Tom has like half a scene in this episode. <laughs> he looks uh, great I, though. Him and Harry have tremendous yeah, casual yeah. wear in this one. Great mm-hmm. casual wear. Um, I thought this episode sucked. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I was looking at the Patreon comments and the patrons were kind of low on it. I, I didn't think it was awful. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, can't, I walked away from it thinking it was, uh, it's one of those that like, this could have been something was my takeaway. Um, and I don't know, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, but I don't know if we're at a point in our Star Trek history now where it's like they've done the episodes five times already. Right. And yeah. it just feels very familiar. And I think the downside to this one is that I guess my general takeaway is like it's pretty well done. It's like polished and effective and it all kind of makes sense, but it doesn't really bring anything new to the table that I haven't seen before. Yeah, I would say I thought um, uh, Roxanne Dawson was great. 
Mm-hmm. I thought she was really, really good in this. Um, I thought the acting was fine. I just thought that this was like four different plots we've seen a million times just mushed together in a new, in like a kind of new way. Like this felt like uh, cut rate inner light to me. Um, it 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 felt like it was the, this was the most enterprisey episode I can, I can think of. Cause I feel like this is something enterprise would do where it's like, it's a TNG script just to interrupt you. This, this was conceived during TNG and they never produced it and they dusted it off for Voyager. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Um, like, I, I don't know. I just, it's, I agree. It's technically fine. But I just didn't find anything really interesting about it, aside from her performance. You know, about ten minutes in, I was like, "Oh, it's once I once they were like, oh, it's somebody's dreams.' Like, okay, well, it's the old lady's dream she's having." Yeah. And then at the end, you know, she tries to do the thing where she. The one thing I found fascinating, uh, purely from a, what the hell is there? It does nobody writing the show agree on anything standpoint, is how. Janeway all of a sudden is like, there's no way we can possibly interfere with what's going on with no. these people. Janeway After makes that episode, no like, <laughs> Janeway like, makes no sense in the show whatsoever. Two episodes ago, where I, what the fuck did they do? They went like they completely blew up an entire ecosystem for something really dumb. I yeah. don't remember what it was. It, I felt like it was feels like three months ago, but <laughs> it was one of those things. where the whole time we're talking about like, is this this is the dumbest reason they've ever broken the prime directive or so i can't remember exactly what it i was, can't but. either unfortunately yeah it's kind of fading together i but i know what you mean her i can't pin a philosophy to janeway in this right show. yeah she just like, and I, she does whatever is necessary for the show to do i found her decision to be interesting like i was like oh yeah okay that feels like the the, the interesting way to play this uh, obviously because you can't just have the rest of your season be the Voyager crew trying to figure to uh, doing a deep dive into Inaria or whatever they're called history yeah. uh, to see when the statute runs out on sending people to another planet or cooking them alive. I don't know, but um, I thought like that, the, the ending was, was the most interesting way to play it. But I just found myself thinking like, I just, this doesn't feel in line with anything that she's done up to this point, Janeway. And it's, or maybe just not in line with the last time that she was faced with a problem like this because she they do just kind of flip-flop her all the time, which is very frustrating. I didn't buy... I don't think she makes a good argument, really. Like, to not tell them? I, I don't... I mean, it's like... <clears throat> I think it's... Um, they, they do write it purposefully um, uh, anti-interventionist to like a like a like the nth degree yeah. where very teen ge like that's a right. hard standpoint yeah right <clears throat> um but i can i can understand why they wouldn't want to open that pandora's box i mean they're they're they have no jurisdiction like what a what is this going to do is anybody going to believe them if they tried to? Mm-hmm. And you know, like th- this is the place where Janeway she doesn't make this argument. I was kind of wishing she would, but this is the place where Janeway being like, "Listen, I appreciate what you're talking about, and I agree with you, but this isn't our fight, and we got to get home, baby. We got to keep trucking forward. <laughs> we <laughs> don't have time. Watch. We don't have time to stop and 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 deal with every thing we run into on the way home. Even though you know they." have no problem spending six weeks at a time doing other bullshit but yeah um yeah i don't know it just it all felt really hollow to me like it felt like that enterprise episode where uh archer has the visions of the destroyed city or whatever right is that the one where he turns into the the slug monster yeah is that that or he he turns into like a caveman or something Oh, he sort of devolves into like the alien. Is it a caveman? It's some. It's some sort of. Alien. It's, it's like an alien runner, but, thing. But yeah. he's getting like visions of another of a society that has since right. been destroyed or something. Yeah, like that's what I was kind of getting, and it's got like an inner light thing, and yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It just I just didn't find anything particularly interesting about it, except for the performance. To yeah, to get to the um, to get to Janeway at the end, um. Her 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 perspective or whatever or her outlook kind of brings up questions to me. It's like it it um it brings up 
questions more about like how far does the view of non-interventionalism go and how far is justifiable? So I kind of think about it in terms of like there are people who there are people who say that it's like it's impossible for a minority to be racist against a majority, right? Because power comes from being in the majority and therefore it's not possible to be racist if you're a minority going against a majority because you have no power in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my counter to that is always like, where does that end? Because say that I am racist to Hispanic people in Texas, right? And then mm-hmm. I step over the border into Mexico. I'm now the minority. So is if I say the exact same thing, is that somehow changed because I took a step to the left? You know what I mean? Like where is the, mm-hmm. where is the border that says this is when you shift into a new perspective. So when Voyager does stuff like this, which is, to me, a clear analogy of, uh, people say it's the Holocaust, but this, this is like much more about Japanese atrocities in World War II. Um, why, if she was on Earth, right? If You would have to say that it is wrong for people on Earth to tell the Japanese government that they should formally admit to the fact that they brutalized China and Korea during World War mm-hmm. II because the Japanese government has never admitted to this and they claim that it doesn't happen and things like that. But like Nanking, there's all the evidence of Nanking that happened. So to hold Janeway's point of view, I would have to say I can't tell the Japanese what to do in this situation because she's just as far removed from Earth with these aliens as I am from Japan. But that doesn't make any sense to me. You can clearly tell them what you did is wrong and you should know about it, and we can talk about it. And I, I just found it so, it's like dodging the point of the episode is Janeway's perspective. It's like, what are you bringing it up for then? Like, why are we talking about this if no one's going to actually push the issue forward? And that's what well, I, find so, I find so dumb is because what they did is clearly wrong, and Janeway can have a point of view about this. this it's not even a nuanced thing that they're arguing about. It's like a genocide of a people. And Janeway's right. just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think we should bring this up. It might be uncomfortable. It's weird. Well, I think, I think kind of her point is less. So I, I think it's with the, with the Japan analogy, I think it's closer to if a bunch of people were to be, uh, if you were driving a boat, dropping people back off in Japan, Mm-hmm. And then while you were there, right before you dropped everybody off, you're like, hey, by the way, uh, you guys committed atrocities in the Chinese. You guys should really talk about this. All right, I got to go and then take off. Because mm-hmm. I think that's her point is like if you're looking at it from like a global thing where you have Japan and the United States or Japan and everybody else who are coexisting in, per- in perpetuity, sure. But I think her point is like we can't stick – we're not sticking around to deal with this. We don't have the uh, uh, capabilities to open this can of worms and see it through the end other than just to open the can of worms and then walk away. And I, I don't know if <clears> – <throat> I'm not saying I agree with that standpoint at all, but it's like I think that's the point she's making is it's – who is – why is it good for them to do a fly-by-night uh, expose and then fuck off? Mm-hmm. Um and then the obviously the answer at the end is well if one of the people ends up doing it well then now they can actually disseminate this argument <clears throat> yep. point of view and this truth and then actually it might you can have that conversation on the planet where people are are staying yeah i i guess that i my point to that would be at that point there's really no and i understand that maybe you don't uh hold this point of view but janeway's point there is wrong to me because at that point why would you ever do anything right for somebody who you're never going to encounter again like if you're walking down the streets and you can help somebody in a split second or you can like let them know about something and it would be helpful to them i think it's worth mentioning it, it like the fact that i'm just like i can't i can't change this person and then walk away that somehow makes me a monster is just not a, uh, that doesn't hold any water to me there's there's no there's no sense where that feels like it's a true thing to be concerned about. And this is like the worst case of the prime directive that I can think of. And, Mm. you know, it doesn't help that like Star Trek is written by humans and produced for TV and everyone we run into is basically just a human, right? So there's like, there's no truly alien perspective where I could be convinced that bringing this thing up is a bad idea to them because they're just, 
uh, apparently these guys are just humans with like cabbage on their head or something like that. Yeah, one of the lazier alien designs. <laughs> so I, I found it really, I find it really weak, and it's but not I mean, just this episode. You got it's Janeway. You got Bruce Davison. You don't cover that. You don't cover up the the money maker. No, know? that's that's the, the, you might as well just cast. Uh, I don't know. You might as well just cast David Cross or something if you're going to do that. Give him some hair plugs. <laughs> no, it's I. And it, it's not just this episode. I think it's Janeway in general. Like the show is just not um, super capable or super prepared to actually do anything. And I feel bad like saying I, I feel bad that saying that the show doesn't really want to talk about things in this episode because I feel like it does talk about things. But the stuff that it talks about is fairly predictable, and I would say it's like emotionally effective. But it's not. It's not something I haven't seen a a bajillion times before with this kind of plot. And the only way to make it interesting is the ending. And I think the show actually mismanages the ending because I don't think that like through the course of the episode, we don't get a good enough sense of what these people are actually like to make Balan is like storming into the cafeteria and accusing them of anything land effectively. They don't really buy into it. It's weirdly ambiguous at the end about what has happened. And I just feel that it's like it's just cowardice to not actually confront them in a full-throated way. I I know that Janeway maybe is relying on Bolana's memory dreams or whatever, and that's an ambiguous, confusing thing about whether or not she actually experienced any of it. But I don't know. I I just didn't didn't sit well with me, I guess, at the ending. I actually thought the most interesting part about everything was in that story that was being told. The part where the uh, woman turns on her lover, yeah, and yeah. I thought that was interesting, but I also thought they dialed it to eleven way too quickly because she went from "Daddy, maybe is there something that is maybe you're you, wrong, Dad? Maybe you're wrong about these people." Into uh, you know, let's burn them all to stake <laughs> very quickly. Yeah, she she jumps. Um, I didn't find his speech particularly effective either. It's not like he gave a, a, a new uh, point yeah. of view on things that he yeah. hadn't done before. It's the same. It's the same stuff. Yeah, uh, the regressives and everything. Um, yeah, I. The other main takeaway is, man, has the uh, political alignment shifted <laughs> in my lifetime? Right when this was written, um, they're basically taught. Like, I, I just think it's funny how like the political. Uh, sides have swapped like all i could think about during this was uh the bruce davidson person being like you know these regressives they don't believe in science like we do they refuse to wear masks they won't get the vaccines we're gonna have to do something about these people they don't wash their hands and it's like wow the uh when they were coming out this is probably like a more of an allegory to like social conservative religious people or something. But now it's like, it's all I can think about is how things flip-flopped in 20 years or whatever. It's remarkable. But it, that, that was the thing that was very distracting to me. Yeah, I did. I did notice that as well. Um, it did. <laughs> it did kind of play as like um, one of those cheap Kevin Sorbo conservative scare tactic movies. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> where it's like that one where it was Red Dawn, where but instead of the Russians, it was Antifa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it had it had that kind of vibe to it. Where I was like, oh, this is very strange. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, because they're, they're basing it off of, you know, they're supposed to be the Nazis or the Imperial Japan or something. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, so they're they're taking it from more of like a right wing nationalist point of view by sort of shuttling off these people who are either Jews or Chinese and whatever version you want to think and, you know, executing them and stuff like that. But it it just it's watching it with modern perspective. It just it's so completely flipped for me. It's fascinating. It's just like it's a, it's a side that thinks that they know better and is like doing things to people who who don't seem to really be doing anything wrong at all obviously i know right. that's the point but it's like they don't want to they say they don't want to like wash their hands or something in this episode that's legitimately what they say it was so strange yeah yeah i think i think the hygiene the hygiene part definitely does um put it in a uh unique space given the the time that we're in yeah um <laughs> But <laughs> they don't know what's when they don't listen to science. I, I thought it was perfect. I thought it just aligned so strangely. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was an interesting choice, uh, based on 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 what's going on currently. Yeah. Um, I mean it just goes think- to show that it's it's a uh that that point of view 
knows no boundaries, I suppose, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the thing is like even though there are touchstones that stand out to us now as we're watching it in 2023, I think the point of views that are in play here are one group thinks that the other group is so bad that they need to be eliminated. And I don't think that necessarily has an ideology attached to it. No, I think that can go either way. Yep. Um, and outside of that, the, you know, it was supposed to be a Troy episode originally, which makes sense. feels like a Troy episode. Um, pretty see, see that would have been so like even more, tepid for me yeah it's stock she's done a million stories like this yeah she has some sort of dream sequence implanted in her by a telepath and she's forced to live through it yeah unless it ends with her floating through a crazy like storm tunnel yeah in a bad cgi effect well i mean after after the price like you know troy was elevating the the sexiness with the price episode that we just talked about on patreon and this is is this the most sensual episode of star trek Ever? I thought it was. I, I was surprised by the amount of um, when she's like, she's like, she's in the one of the dream sequences in like that hallway where she meets her boyfriend. And she's like, "What are you thinking?" He's about. He's like, "Let me show you what I'm thinking about." He touches her. And she's like, "Oh, oh." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, dirty. there's a pretty, there's a pretty extended sequence where Balana essentially, not so subtly, describes her sex dream yeah. to uh, Chakotay. Chakotay. I what I what I really liked about that scene too is after she like he kind of prods her for the details and she's nice, kind of gives her gives him the details about what's going on. He's like, "So, should I report you for sleeping in?" Like very seriously. And she's like, "What?" <laughs> And then he kind of backs I'm, off. I thought that was a good good take. A, a runner that I never really noticed how prominent it is in Star Trek is when your boss comes into your bedroom to tell you you're late for work. <laughs> 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 Happens all the time in this series. It's very funny. Yeah, Chakotay wants to know the details. I guess they were supposed to be implied that... Uh, I mean, those two are Maquis or whatever. I guess they would know each other, but they're apparently close enough where they can talk about their sex dreams with each other. Um, they were kind of playing that too, like, there was something going on there, and I was a callback. That, That's a callback yeah, to that episode. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're we're losing our minds. I can't, I can't remember the episode titles anymore. All just running together. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's that's Voyager's thing. I I I thought that the dream stuff in this could have been worse. It was it was pretty generic, yeah. but I for the amount of like you know adult quote unquote content in it, um, I thought the show handled itself pretty well. I thought that. Uh, you know, I believe that Roxanne Dawson and then that guy that plays her boyfriend in this one felt like they had chemistry together mm. for, for what it needs to be. And I thought that that was fairly effective. I just thought like all the talk about sneaking into people's bedrooms when you were younger and stuff, it, it just felt like there was a uh, an approach to the sexiness that was very un-Star Trek-y. Like I thought that that did a good job and it wasn't embarrassing in the way that sometimes the show can get. And so... I appreciated all that stuff. It was fairly generic, and I saw everything that was happening. As soon as the um, she gets the the image of her boyfriend who's burnt, it's like okay, they're going to kill this guy, um, mm. and that's how it's going to go down. So outside of that, it was for as predictable as it was. I thought that the, all that was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was fine, I guess. It was just I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't really giving me anything new uh, from from a story like this. No. Um, but again, I did like. I thought Roxanne Dawson was really good. She had a, she was in almost every scene of the show. Yeah, and she was uh, she was very good. I um I did like the made fun of it at the start, but I did like Neelix hosting a party for the people yeah. for some reason. Yes. I thought that was kind of that was kind of cute. Or um, feels appropriate for him finally. Yeah, it feels appropriate for Voyager too. Like yeah. they would have nothing better to do than do something like that. So I thought that 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 was all good. Um, the aliens were fine. Their makeup and design choice is kind of stupid looking, but uh, they're mostly, you know, they're fine for what they are. Even the blind one. I think there's probably a method to that for this episode where it's like, okay, uh, we can't have a fucking weird monster guy humping on Bellana, Bellana Torres yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, we need to make this sexy. I'm sure maybe it was a much more elaborate makeup and, a certain executive producer friend of ours just slapped that down. <laughs> you can't see the heat. It's like, 
Have you ever heard that story about um, when they were making Avatar, when they were getting in the uh, all the production artwork and concept designs for what the Navi look like? Mm-hmm. There's someone told the story of one of the first designs of the Navi. Uh, I for, I forget uh, Zoe Saldana's character, but like the main Navi woman came in, and it was a, it was more monstrous. Yeah, and Cameron goes, "Look at this." You don't. No one wants to fuck this. You you have to make it look like people want to fuck her. Yeah, yep. That's how you sell those toys. That's how. You, yes. That's how you All do those it. Now it's amazing it's, Avatar toys. It's true. Like it's, like sticks and rocks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's funny. Like it's you know the that's so central to everything, and. It's it's kind of it, it's somewhat at least in some way that I'm trying to think about it like it ties into Chakotay and Bolana talking about their sex dreams right mm. and I think that that was kind of interesting just because in real life you don't really talk about your sex dreams right but in in Star Trek the characters are extremely comfortable talking about it and mm. I just thought that that was kind of interesting it's like in, in real life it's like. I think the only like it would just be like me and Amy would sometimes tell you like you wake up and you have to laugh because of how stupid your dreams were and you tell each other. But no one, I don't feel like it's common pop conversation to have or something. But for some reason in Star Trek, where sexuality is so repressed and buttoned up, they're very open about talking about their sex dreams with each other. It was just it was just a weird uh, conflict, or not a conflict, like a weird sort of mashup of things. I think it makes sense that it's with her like i i think that kind of thing is very dependent on the other person that you're talking to like yeah. Yeah. her telling that to chicote makes sense to me but like if she was walking to work with harry and harry's like what happened in your dream and she's like well <laughs> i was wearing a, a ball gag and like, what <laughs> she could tell tom paris she could tell the do- she could tell me no tom paris would want to know but i don't think she would tell him she should have well, and maybe that's the is Bolana the right character for this episode? Because I, um, as opposed to the other women, as I opposed guess? to Tom Paris. <laughs> oh, as opposed to Tom Paris. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's like is like it, it kind of got me thinking. Like, I guess maybe they're doing this as Bol- because Bolana is supposed to be the passionate one. Like that's mm, her character yeah. setup, and yeah. maybe that's what it is. But it also got me thinking. Like, I wonder if this show wishes they could just redo Bolana's backstory at this point like her half Klingon half human thing isn't really working for me it doesn't it doesn't bring enough to the table to be interesting because she's not super aggressive like a Klingon she's not outrageously over the top and if the best you can do is that she's passionate about her sex dreams with other characters it's it's like I wonder if they want to redo her design her backstory Mm. Yeah, I was just wondering, would this story actually be more interesting if it was Janeway? Because then you have Janeway directly having to address this new information. And then Janeway has to make the decision, well, we can't interfere with this. Like, is is that more interesting? I don't know. I can't really decide. Well, it to me, it would to me, what it does is it. It's tough because we don't know what Janeway is, right? But like Balana's bringing it up seems to be the argument of passion over rationale, which is what I guess the show is saying that Janeway is being. She's being like a rational right. person, not bringing it up. Yeah. And Balana's being the passionate one who has to do it. Um, it might just seem even more self-contradictory of Janeway to have both perspectives in her head. I don't know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so down on Janeway's arguments in this show well you know i mean as far as Janeway's argument goes i i don't necessarily think that's supposed to be an argument that you're supposed to be happy with yeah you mean they're not you know? telling them things yeah because i mean isn't that kind of what the, you get into in real life with this stuff where it's like well we somebody needs to talk about this like well we can't we just can't bring that up i mean you yeah. just don't talk about that and it always feels stupid because it's like it's something you should talk about and so I don't know if necessarily I don't think Janeway's argument there is supposed to be the right one, right? You know. Well, then I feel like it's a needless impediment to a story being told. Like it, it just doesn't. Don't get Janeway involved at all. Then 
you know, just just I, I feel that her sticking her thumb on the scale there is a it's kind of a pointless debate that the show is having because it's saying that like we're going to we're going to solve the bigger problem by just not having any characters talk about it. But it also doesn't really change anything to have her say that. So Bolana can still like Bolana still has her little conversation with the other alien character at the very end and implies what's going on. I just I feel like you could avoid Janeway and just have more of the the story revolve around Bolana being conflicted about bringing it up. I I don't like the way that Janeway stands in the way. <clears throat> but why would she need to be conflicted about bringing it up? And she shouldn't. That that's sort of my I guess that's a that's a larger problem I have with what exactly is the conflict here of being brought up. Like Yeah. You know, it's so if you're if you're equating them with the Nazis, are like, and that's why it's the more the Japanese thing because Germany has bent over backwards to acknowledge itself, right? So if like if right. you went up to Germans and were like, accept what you did in the Holocaust, they would say we have and we still do to this day. Like Germany is right, very open yeah. about it. the The thing that makes it Japanese is that the Japanese aren't open to accepting that this happened. And so the conflict there is trying to break through that stone wall and make them see what's happened and what's right and what's wrong about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the episode in real life historical context is saying that it's wrong to remind the Japanese of what they did. And I don't agree with that, really. That's the, well, my point. But, but is that what the episode is saying or is that just what Janeway is saying? Well, what Jan- Janeway is saying doesn't necessarily mean that's what the episode is saying. I don't think that... I think that it, it's hedging the right thing to do. Like, so what's the... what's the If, if that were the case, I would be more uh, inclined to believe it if there was a compromise being made here besides just we don't want awkward conversation, right? Like, yeah. if, if, if the... If they were somehow had a technology, this, these aliens had a technology that cut off 10 years off their trip, right? Yeah. Janeway doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to offend them. That's a believable circumstance that I can see yeah. Janeway's position there. All Janeway yeah. wants to do is we don't want the last five minutes of this car ride to be awkward, so we're not going to say anything to them. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's what's missing from her argument is there, it, it doesn't benefit her. There's no benefit she gets from from not bring it up agreed yeah there there if there was some sort of like you said something that is hangs in the balance uh diplomatically that if she they were to blow this up then that would be a big problem then i think there's a little bit more beef there yeah but um just uh saying that we we're not going to bring this up for the sake of decorum mm, not not the best move by the captain <laughs> yeah. of, your, of your ship. And and that's all my point is that is that's why it feels like she's standing in the way because her point has no real good story reason to exist at all. It's just yeah. it's a minor uh it's a minor roadblock to Bolana. Yeah, I think I think they try to couch it a bit in futility. Yeah. Uh because it's just one person who's saying this stuff. Her rationale is that it's memories from a woman who died that she believes to be murdered, even though there's no evidence that she was murdered. She's not a woman from their planet. Uh, she has no concept of what's going on outside of this dreamscape that she's apparently been locked into, which sounds kind of crazy to begin with. Yeah. So I think I think there's I think there's a more futility built into it. Maybe they should have had Janeway say more of that, you know, where it's like even if you even if we did go down there and, and tell the people what was going on, why would why would they believe you? Yeah. You know, what what good is it to to do to start uh, a commotion like that when there's little to no chance that you're going to be believed. And- Which is why I think obviously that's why she passes it on to someone who might be believed. Yes. Yeah, I guess that that would come down to like I'm totally fine with that being Janeway's thing. Like if if Janeway's thing was because because what you're saying that she's doing there, which is that there's no point in doing this, feels very against the ideals of Star Trek in a way that a lot of the fans of this franchise enjoy. Which is that like mm-hmm. it's rare that you see a franchise that's exploring like the positive things and the things that should be done and the optimistic side of humanity and stuff like that. What Janeway does here is not that and. If Voyager was a show that was built around these are the sacrifices you have to make to get home, 
I would kind of be more sympathetic to her. Sure. The, the problem with Janeway is that she's, as you were saying, and as I was saying at the start, she's like all over the map on this stuff yeah. with every decision. So I, I can't even pin it to a characterization uh, writing decision on her part. It's just that she <coughs> occupies this space where if the plot needs her to zig, she does. And if it needs her to zag, she does that as well. And it's it's not... um. It's not satisfying. So I, I guess the argument there would be is it's just like it seems like it's against the ethos of the franchise, and it's also not an interesting decision for the character of Janeway to go this direction. They should have just pushed in on Janeway, and she says, "Balana, delete the last log entry." <laughs> just, and everyone stands there, have a beat, looking around. And she cuts to black right after that. Nothing happens. <clears throat> it's weird we're stuck on Janeway when Balana Torres is the main cast member too. I don't, mm. I don't feel like the show. Uh, failed in that way it's just i don't well, really I mean, have much to say about balana why would you want to do anything to anger people who just through telepathy taught you how to shred on the guitar that's true yeah <laughs> i'm i'm not i'm not saying anything no maybe janeway janeway should have been holding that instrument to remind me that that is where she's coming from with this she's she's learned how to play this little device do i want to know what Ingwie Malmsteen's family did in the past 200 years? <laughs> Not if I could shred like that by just hanging out with them for a couple minutes. The the, seri- the franchise is getting more explicit with the idea that um, telepathic invasions are a violation. Are you noticing that? It's the the, the franchise is like aware because characters now vocalize it. He's like, "I'm sorry, mm. I telepathically penetrated you there, Catherine. I wasn't. I didn't intend to. I wouldn't have done that." I actually, that I actually like that. I like yeah. that scene because yeah. it, it it's something that they as a people probably don't even think about, right? And they're doing in with someone who is not part of that uh, uh, species. Um, it it's very invasive. Yeah, it's being treated as more invasive than it ever was previous to this, I think. Before, yeah. it was always treated as kind of a happy accident. You know, it's funny. This episode's kind of interesting because uh, the most recent episode of Rotten Horror Picture Show that we recorded that'll come out, and it probably might already be out by the time this comes out, is uh, a, a, a Spanish-language movie called La Llorona, yep. which is uh, it's about um, a general who was the head of uh, native Mayan massacre in Guatemala being haunted by this ghost um, who's basically like a vengeance demon uh, to take revenge in the name of the, uh, the native people. And there's a lot of class stuff built into the movie. And uh, in a way that kind of reminded me of this, the movie's, does more with it than this does but Mm. um it's the same kind of idea where there's a whole class system built into it um and uh which is passed down through the generations and it's just it's It's like a caste system you can't you can't break out of your caste or whatever yeah it's 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 uh like all the native people are the maids the maid staff and and uh the wife of the general kind of overlooks the fact that he likes to sexually assault them. Yep. <laughs> and and because the the people who are um, trying to get justice are the ones who have been raped and murdered, but the way that she views it is, oh, they're all just prostitutes. Right. And so it's like that. It's that kind of thing. I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it. Listen to the episode. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it did make me think about that a little bit, um, the way that they were kind of getting into some of that stuff here. Yeah. I mean, they... It's surface... Surface... Not dressing, but it's it's all very surface level is my main issue with it. I, I like the performance, as you're saying. I, I think that Blonde is good. Um, or Roxanne Dawson is good. It's just... I feel not even in Star Trek. I've just I've I've seen this story a million times, and it didn't particularly go anywhere novel with it that I was surprised yeah. by. It's too bad. Yeah, we go to patron thoughts then. Thanks everybody for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show, a couple dollars a month will get you a sensual telepathic back rub from one of us. <laughs> you also get extra podcasts as well, and you get early access to a whole bunch of stuff. It's a whole bunch of stuff up on the uh, patreon.com slash the Penske file. So one of the rewards is you get to leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. And so here is 
The first comment that I will send to you, Clay, you can start this. This is from Kyle Barrett. It is Remember. Remember. An erotic thriller that morphs into a Holocaust drama. What a boner killer. I feel sorry for Bellana that she considers incredibly tame, PG-rated missionary sex the most sensuous dream she's ever had. Mm. I was ready to mock this episode. I had pre-written my hack jokes about how ironically forgettable it is, but it honestly won me over by the end, and I thought it was an emotion. I thought it was emotionally effective. Some of the terminology, like regressives, is too generic, and I don't completely buy Karen's quick turn. But even in its weakest moments, the fantastic performances elevate the text, which is largely well written. The biggest surprise of this rewatch so far: four out of five. Yeah. Is um. <clears throat> Is it missionary if the woman's on top? Is that still missionary? <laughs> that's all. Uh. That's the, my only memory of this scene is Balana <laughs> on top of him on the bed, and uh, I, I, it must come. They must call it reverse missionary or something like that. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I never seen that. that. Never seen that before. This I haven't read the, the literature. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast about the Kama Sutra. We're on page seventy-two. Kensito. Oh, that's where it goes. Kensito says, remember, Torres feels like absolutely the wrong character for this. Wouldn't Kess be better? There's an episode later on in Voyager which deals with similar issues but does a much better job of it. Two out of five. So that is interesting because I feel like the other argument you could make. So here, obviously, the reason they chose uh, Torres is because of the the, the passion angle. Mm, fiery attitude. But yeah, but I guess you could also choose someone like Kess because she comes from a people who are persecuted, right? Yeah, does she not? Yeah, they are. They've been in, or they're yeah, they're hidden away by the caretakers, right, to protect them. Yeah, and the, the Kazon don't like them, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so, like, I could see that being a way to go. I don't know. I mean, Kess like, is the telepath too, right? True. Yep. Yeah. Have we not seen Voyager um, in two years? Why can I not remember anything on this <laughs> fucking show? I think Kess has telepathic abilities. We haven't recorded an episode in like two or three weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Okay. It's amazing how quickly it just leaves <laughs> your mind. <laughs> I've been thinking about mud and horses and yeah. uh you know, yeah, I know how much <laughs> how much it costs to play Pharaoh aren't they, across the street. Aren't, aren't they just such different shows? <laughs> they really are, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's in, I don't know. I, I mean, Kess, why would I want Kess to do this? Uh, what I want is a scene where Tuvok comes in to the sick, ble- sick bay and tells the doctor that he has to come see to these whores. <laughs> you cocksucker. I, in this scene, does <clears throat> Kess finds Bolana passed out in the middle of engineering, right? Does that happen? Yeah, Fletcher, um, I think she's passed out on the way. I don't think she makes it to engineering. Oh, okay. It's like, why didn't, why didn't no one help her? Why, why is Kess there, A, and why didn't mm-hmm. no one help her, B? Why didn't anybody move Wild Bill out of the hallway when he fell asleep? <laughs> That's true, too. Maybe, maybe they're more similar than I'm giving them credit for. Tax Bear says, remember, why did they pick Bellana as the main character here? This is a theme, I guess. This would have been a prime opportunity for a Kess episode. Also, mm. the dark theme is partially undermined by the aliens having model railway, bu- railway bushes wrapped around their heads. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it makes it any better if it's Kess, honestly. No, I mean, sorry, what's your, what's your main point for why it would be Kess? Just the persecution angle? Yeah, I guess. And yeah. Um. I feel it works fine as a Bolana episode. I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's okay. There's been a few. There's been a lot of Bolana uh, episodes lately. Yeah, she's, get, she's been getting a lot of uh, screen time, which I, I think she's good. I think she deserves it. I think I think the actor is better than the character. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Hundred um, percent. And I do think they are starting to run into a theme with her episodes where. Uh, usually it comes down to her learning some sort of shocking truth that she needs to sit on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so maybe... Well, her design isn't set up, up for that. That's kind of the problem, right? Like she's, yeah. she feels a little bit like a Beverly Crusher character in that she gets scripts that don't seem to fit anyone particularly well and she just mm-hmm. gets it by default. 
Um, Still wait. I want to see that Bellana. Well, I guess this is the closest thing to Bellana Torres has sex with a, a candle ghost. So yeah, yes, he's an ethereal memory. Although much th- th- this guy's much sexier that than that candle ghost motherfucker. That guy. Just- oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Jonathan, these are all short. I'll just read them. Jonathan J.K. Moore says, Remember, ironically titled because I don't remember it. This must have been an episode to save money because the cost of flashback where Tuvok couldn't remember something either. One memory hole out of five. Remember in that um, Crusher episode where the dead grandmother pops out of the coffin like a... That's like the candle ha- ghost. Like a Halloween store. <laughs> well, Jordy and Data dug her up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's standing do that by one the, again. I want to watch that again. They're standing by the coffin when she pops up and they don't react like anything has happened. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Unbelievable. This is Jaron Hatch with Remember. Why does it feel like both TNG and Voyager have done this exact same episode eight times already? Deja vu aside, there is a decent idea and message buried in here somewhere, but this is a good example of how Star Trek's allegorical storytelling can sometimes fall short. Having a twice removed perce- <clears throat> having a twice removed perspective can be useful, but if there's too much distance from the subject at hand, you run the risk of lacking any mean- meaningful exploration. As it stands, this episode's thematic messaging is just too generalized to make any lasting impression. An unfortunate result for an episode titled "Remember." Two point five middling roads out of five. Yeah, um, I like the metaphor about memory being a the time capsule basically mm. you know I, I think that all works it could, it could have been played a little speaking bit speaking of speaking of memory and deja vu have i on this series and also fairly recently talked about the buffy the vampire slayer episode where buffy and angel are possessed by the ghosts of two lovers who killed themselves at the school yes you did talk about this okay i won't bring it up again though great episode i, I don't I, I don't remember which podcast but it might have been all three of them at this point. It, I think it was the Star Trek podcast, but I don't remember the context for it because I was talking to you. Uh, Malo, it might have been Deadwood. Malo <laughs> <laughs> have I mentioned, have I made a Buffy comparison on Deadwood yet? You did. I you mean, made one. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So it might have been that one because it feels very fresh. Uh, Malo Provoso says, remember, one out of five, it's shit. <laughs> so, Aaron Million with our next comment. I'll send this one to you. I copied the whole thing. His name is there, too. One month. Remember. Why didn't Tuvok perform a Vulcan mind meld with Taurus to confirm that the memories she received were real and not just Taurus making them up? Why didn't anyone on Voyager think of this as a way to help resolve the issue? <clears throat> Wait it a minute. How, how would Tuvok know if they were real or made up if they're yeah, in Taurus' memory? Okay. I mean, it would, uh, it would be like in Ghostbusters where uh, they say she's telling the truth. At least she thinks she is. Right. Yeah, I would have no. If I went into your mind, I would have no idea if I was experiencing a real memory or something you made up. Yeah, I I am a little surprised that they don't even suggest it because there is that moment. Um, I think it's when Janeway's playing the uh, the the ball balls guitar there. Yeah, balls, balls <laughs> Um, <clears throat> where Tuvok kind of once once the guy explains what's going on, Tuvok kind of like perks up and he's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. So I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't get involved at all. But you know, I guess. Well, after he hears the he guy's story, so he much. goes, "That checks out." <laughs> that's his, that's his other take when the when the older man explains, like maybe you had some stray mental thoughts floating around and you sucked them up in your big head or whatever. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. That's pretty cool to um, me. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is interesting to me how Star Trek has shown that Vulcans have this unique ability to confirm if someone is telling the truth, going all the way back to Dagger of the Mind in TOS, yet we have episodes such as this one that would where that would come in hand, really handy, and we have a Vulcan available to do it, but it is not mentioned. Also, has Harry Kim banging that one lady... Sorry. Ha, also, was Harry Kim banging that one lady in engineering? Just a weird episode overall. Two bad memories out of five. Mm-hmm. Harry Kim, you sly dog. I just, yeah, I, um, I don't think, I, I don't unless I'm missing some kind of canon thing. You would have to, you can tell what someone saw, but you wouldn't be able to tell if they were making up the memory that they had. I guess I don't know. Doesn't matter. There's a, um, <clears throat> I've been reading that book, uh, House of Psychotic Women, that I was talking about in the content consumption. Yes, and uh, they talk about, I believe it is, yeah, it's a uh, 
Argento Giallo movie called Four Flies on Gray Velvet. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to ruin this for anyone who hasn't seen it. But the uh, the way that they catch the killer is they say they 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 ref they cite that um, science has started to determine there's a theory that the last thing a human sees when they die is like permanently um, affixed to their eyeballs. Yes, I I (laughs) think I've seen that somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and so they look into the eyeballs of the dead person and they see the reflection of the person that killed them. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah... Just I don't know. I can't remember why I brought that up, but it seemed appropriate. Yeah, at the time. <laughs> you you get around that by killing people from behind, I suppose. There you go. Yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, piano wire as they're sitting in their chair, and you sneak up behind them. Mm-hmm. Uh, changeling, remember now. I see Troy's purpose because if she wasn't on board, you would have to confide all your sex dreams to Riker, and you know what he's likely to do with them. I like this episode. Nothing was really mishandled or dumb, and I liked the more ambiguous ending. I've only seen a few episodes of this show before these watch-alongs, but I do know for a fact that they do this plot better and worse in later seasons. So I give a Larry David pretty, pretty, pretty good. Four, do you remember the genocide of September? Buddy, you dancing on graves out of five. <laughs> so wait, were they going to do this again? I, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He's not the first patron to suggest that, so I think I must come back cool um but they've already done it in the other shows too so we're just we're just going through uh everybody gets a inner light you get an inner light you, you get, get an inner light i feel there's if i wasn't in uh a covid brain frog from not wearing my mask <laughs> i would um i'd remember there must be a better star trek episode than inner light that i feel represents what they do in this better mm, like um yeah because she's not actually living the life. Well, she kind of is. Sort of. I, mean, I guess that that is similar. But it's like, um, I feel that there's just a better name, but it can't come to me at this point. I don't know. This is Patrick Seba. I'm going to send you the poem because I can't read them. <clears throat> this episode's plot, there's something deep there. Balana, she kills it, but I just don't care. What if... What if what if series mains pressed go on the trains? At least the Gestapo, their tailor had flair. That's true. <laughs> Two irritated pages of notes from Ari Aster out of five. <laughs> Justice, <laughs> Justice for Toon Shoe says, Chicote and Harry are in a race to determine who is the more awkward character to include in any kind of romantic subplot. I guess I'll give the edge to Harry for now, since Chicote at least nearly seduced Janeway. I couldn't get over how the Anarans are played weird, playing weird royalty-free music you'd expect to hear in the background at your local planetarium, but Janeway reacts like she just heard the second coming of Bach, probably Kate Mulgrew's greatest action job. Rest of the episode was so unmemorable, aside from the fact that Chip from Whose Line... There we go. He, he made the reference ah, that Chip from Whose yeah. Line is it anyways randomly here. Two wet dreams explained to Chicote out of five. Uh, me and Clay were talking about before we started recording. We both thought we recognized that guy, but we did not recognize the boyfriend. And then we looked him up, and apparently he's on whose line is it anyway? So yeah, don't yeah. know. Also, yeah, they do that thing where the the amazing music that is being played is just whatever music is being played for the episode on the same shitty synthesizer. Yes, yeah, and so it just does not uh, <laughs> sound particularly interesting. Matt Ross says, getting past the HR issue of just entering Bellana's room for being 20 minutes late and talking about her sex dream and pajama day in a mess hall while a guy strokes his ball. This was done better in Sarek and the other TNG psychic strife stories. This seems to be an attempt to put together a story presumably out of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. But when the lead alien points out that it all could be a bad memory as well as the prime directive angle, the story falls flat. Hey, but we see Janeway in her casual white PJs. Two headscarves out of five. I even forgot that the guy tries to justified as just like a not real memory you know mm, yeah it's just <laughs> another janeway thing of like why 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 are you introducing this possibility at this point yeah the the uh i mean it was a good try on his part to be like well i mean there's a bunch of us in here so yeah. who and knows t- what you're mem- remembering remember when tuvok had that memory about the caveman dropping the girl off a cliff it's exactly like that it's a memory yeah. virus engram yeah <laughs> It all comes together. This is just a show about memory. Don't you remember when your lover mysteriously turned into a very stereotypical looking uh, (laughs) African native for a hot second? 
I can't wait for the Voyager episode where they pick up Guy Pierce and he's got tattoos all over his body. And we just have to go, <laughs> go through all this. Uh, I'll send you this one, point extra G. Um, yeah, the the future, someone like the, the future of AI is basically going to be like the recording device just bottles up people's sex dreams, I guess, and puts it on the internet, right? So it's like yeah. it's just going to generate this stuff for you. I mean, that sounds like a the opening to like a Cronenberg movie or something. It does. We're not far <clears throat> off, right? We we got the yeah. AI that can draw. We've got the AI that can write a script, put it together, and give it a sex dream scenario, and we, we'll get, see what we got. You know, this is going to sound maybe controversial. Mm. Um, the Nazis did I, nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hairstyle was great. I'm de- <laughs> uh, I understand and agree with the ethical muddiness of the AI art stuff. But man, that shit is so cool. <laughs> it got good at it quick. It's so cool. <laughs> like it's I find it legitimately impressive and yeah. interesting to see what those things come up with. But no, I don't want people using that to make money and shit cuz it's it, it, yeah, I I I totally agree with the ethical concerns, but I mean, it's still pretty cool. Like yeah. to the stuff that it comes up with. Like that did you see the Jodorowsky's Tron thing? Yes. It was like the good. coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That's no, very good. It it's come a long way. I mean, yeah, it really has. It's just it, it started off. It was like, oh, this is kind of neat. Like it'll take, you know, the Energizer Bunny and paint it in the style of, you know, Rembrandt or something or whatever. Like, <laughs> but it's like, um, now it's it's accuracy is, its accuracy is to the point where it doesn't feel like it's just a computer program smashing two things together. Any longer. Yeah. It's imp- still can't do fingers though for some reason. Oh, can't do fingers. I haven't, no, I haven't, that's yeah. the the telltale sign is they all the hands have like twenty five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> have I not? <laughs> it's really weird. It's very strange. Well, it just it wants to it wants to demonstrate its superiority over real artists by just having way too much of what I assume is a hard thing to draw. But maybe fingers are kind of an easy thing to draw. I don't know. No, they're not. Hands are very difficult. Yeah. Say so, so. That's it. It's going to be like you know people are complaining. I'll drop. 25 fingers on this hand and see what people say about that yeah i haven't uh, have you played with chat gpt or whatever that thing is no is that the that's the the text version yeah it where generates like you text can, for you yeah, i have not i have not no. it's always been broken whenever i go on because everyone's using it but um that'll be the same the same thing yeah it the the art thing i mean the jump that it's had so quickly is is kind of shocking because it went from like here's a poorly here's poorly four poorly rendered responses to the prompt that I wrote in about Guy Fieri in the Ninja Turtles movie. Right. And now if you did that, it would be like photorealistic. This is is, is a deleted scene. Yeah, it's a deleted scene where all the turtles talk to their mentor and it's Guy Fieri instead of Splinter. And it's completely believable. Yeah. Except for the fingers. Yeah, I know. Don't need to make uh, YouTube thumbnails anymore. It'll just do it. Do it right for me. Um, I saw one the other day that was uh, um, Marvel superheroes with GoPro cameras on their faces, and yep. it was amazing. It was so cool <laughs> that it was like Captain America skydiving out of a plane with that like weird distended um, uh, like fisheye look that it, that you get when the GoPros are like too close to your face. Right. It was really cool. Yep. <clears throat> yep. It's scary though. Take away my artist card. But it, it is it is super cool. It's just scary as hell. Yeah. Um, I sent you point extra G. I don't think you read this yet, right? No, not yet. I suppose that getting sexy dreams from some random old lady is better than doing it with your grandma's ghost candle. Ah, agree to disagree. <laughs> <clears throat> so Bolana is slightly ahead of Beverly on that count. It seems like every time that a group of telepaths show up on Star Trek that someone gets mind-raped or ends up with Vulcan AIDS or something. You'd think Starfleet would start to get wise to this. Interestingly, um, thank you for the comment too, but there are, uh, Bolana is possibly the character's name with the most variations that gets typed in. I am not even sure how yes, you spell yeah. it, but it, it, she, uh, everyone spells her name a little bit differently. I think there's an apostrophe in there. There somewhere. is. It's a capital B apostrophe, as those Klingons are are uh, likely to do. Mm. 
Um, Artorius says, remember, Bra- uh, remember Braga. Hey, I want to do an episode about space Germans. Minoski, so space Nazis? Braga, well, prison, restraints, a lack of clothes, and a father-daughter estrangement will definitely be involved. Oh, and we can't forget about the screaming. I want them to cry out for Jesus, or whatever space god equivalent we give them. And copious amounts of rough, very rough, close physical contact, slapping <laughs> and hitting, and maybe some choking. Minoski, are we thinking about the same thing right now? Three memorable encounters out of five. Not a very Minoski script, actually. It's surprising that he was involved in it. But Nick the Rat says, remember when Trek would have interesting looking aliens instead of people with some fishnet hats? Imagine waking up to Chakotay standing over you. Yikes. Seems like a breach of something. A pretty boring episode overall. Two out of five. And then, is this the last one? No. I don't think so. Remember is a very common word. I apologize. There's a lot of remembers in here. So this is Royale with this one. No, I don't remember. No, I don't remember this episode, and I probably have watched it at least twice in the past. Torres seems desperate. The experience, the dream. Sorry, yep. Torres seems Torres. Geez, my brain. Torres seems desperate. The experience, the dreams. <sighs> sorry, <laughs> I think it's two. <clears throat> Torres seems desperate. Oh, yes. Two yeah. desperate. Two. Okay. Uh, the AI in my brain is freezing <laughs> out. Torres seems desperate to experience the dreams to see what happens next, but I found the first few dreams utterly uncompelling, so when the twist arrives that this has been a Quantum Leap Holocaust story the whole time, it feels like it's too late for it. You're supposed to hook people by the beginning of a story, not put the hook in after the story is half over already. 2.5 out of 5. I was thinking about that as well, if maybe they wait too long to give you the 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 gist of what's going on. Yep. But it's... I, I'm not sure because there are like a number of things along the way where it's not just, oh, it's someone's memory. It's, oh, it's someone's memory. Then it's, oh, it's about this, uh, you know, genocide thing that happened. So yep. I don't really know. You probably could shift it up a bit, but it would require more discussion of the uh, of of the the end bit with the, uh, yep. um, the, the genocidal nature of everything. Yeah, I, I actually thought it was structured fairly well. Um, yeah, like I thought it was predictable, so I knew what was going, what was coming. But I thought mm-hmm. that, like, I actually enjoyed the early sequences. Um, a lot of it rests on the performances, I think, of that, like to make it actually feel like uh, there is a relationship there, which is incredibly difficult to do out of thin air. Um, I thought I, I, I actually I enjoyed the structure. I, I wouldn't have changed anything about it. I would have kept exactly the same pacing for everything. I thought yeah. it worked. Yeah. Uh, Grapple John Zorn says, remember those aliens from last season who wore the same feather wigs and who implanted Tom with some BS memories? Remember those aliens from TNG who mind raped Troy or the ones who kidnapped the Enterprise children and taught little Tommy to play the Yanni synthomatic? Remember the episode of Alana confessed to a lifelong crush on Chakotay but forgot about that ever since? Remember that time when the same creative team who'd worked on Trek a long time ran out of ideas but they just kept writing the show for another nine years? Two wet dreams in a sexless universe out of five. Do you remember? This is a the uh, it is a sexless universe, but this is this is a very sexy episode. Real Avi says, "Remember, I'd rather not." And then the final comment from Brandon Neil Howell says, "Remember, no, nothing except Janeway getting on the moral high ground to her guests. Far too heavy-handed. Don't mention the war. Two out of five. <laughs> Thanks very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts. Skewed kind of negative on this one. I was surprised." Mm. Uh, maybe a low two, like a 2.2 or something is our average, I think, at this point. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? I'm going to go a two on this one. Okay. <clears throat> um, I'll go with three, I think. It's really, really for me, it's just the ending is a colossal failure. Um, mm. Which is catastrophic, but I like the performances. I generally like the idea of it. It's super generic, but um, I thought it was. Did this episode hold your attention at all, or were you bored by it? I was pretty bored. You're pretty it. bored. Okay, yeah, it held yeah. my attention, so that makes sense. I'll give it a three, then, and you can give it a two, and that'll balance each other out. So that's it. Thanks everybody for listening and supporting the show. Patreon.com/slash The Penske File. Clay, do you have anything we want to say before we go? <laughs> Um, check out the Rotten Horror Picture Show Patreon series we're doing. We're covering Video Nasties films. 
January was Dario Argento's Tenebrae. I'm not sure what February is yet. We haven't done it yet. Um, and Badass is back. And yeah, uh, when does this come out? This, this, uh, this is going to be the second week of February. Okay, so we will have just or will just be about to put out an episode on My Bloody Valentine just in time Love for that band. Valentine's Day. Yes, we do a deep dive into their discography. Mm-hmm. Talk about all personnel changes. <laughs> Uh, including that one album where they tried to change their sound and nobody liked it. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that happens. It always always happens. (laughs) Um, But yeah, check that out. Badass is back. We're talking about Batman Beyond Season 2, and uh, that's it. I think I misappropriate My Bloody... My Bloody Valentine is supposed to be a really good band, right? I think so. Yeah, I always confuse them with some sort of like... My Chemical Romance. Maybe that's what I'm. Com- I always confuse them yeah. with early two thousands uh, emo rock or something, and I don't think they are that at all. But I don't is know. that not what they are? Because I actually don't know. They have a name that sounds like that's what they are. I think My Bloody Valentine is from the eighties, right? My Bloody Valentine. They're a rock band. Wow. Eighty three. What? 80s. Yeah. What? Yeah. Maybe they are emo. They have hair in their eyeballs. So 83 to 97. Never in a million years would I have guessed that. Yeah, 83 to 97 and then 2007 to the present. So maybe they came out with a new album in 2007. It, I, it must have been that they, they came out with a new one in 2007. And since I had never heard of them before, thought they, they were probably new. just yeah folded it in with all that other stuff. Yeah, I think their first album was supposed to be really impressive. But yeah, I always confuse them with just being from that era. Maybe they are just like a very... Um, early version of emo rock. Let me see what is it. Uh, characterized by dissonant guitar textures, androgynous vocals, and unorthodox production. Shoegaze. They're pioneer. They're pioneers of shoegaze. Okay. Shoegaze. Yeah. That um, uh, dream pop style. Is that like when you don't want to make a cake for people because of religious <laughs> reasons? <laughs> yeah, shoegaze is um, you would call it indie rock, I think, would be the oh, way to okay. describe it. Ethereal sounds and stuff like that. A lot of disc- uh, guitar feedback and distortion and things like that. Ah, gotcha. Never in a million years. I just assumed that they were in that. I, I must also have gotten them mixed up with my with my Chemical Romance. Yeah. Um, all right, that's it. So this was a very long episode. I apologize. Uh, we are done. Listen to the Deadwood Podcast, too. That's my last plug for that one. And we will be back with our next episode <laughs> of Star Trek Voyager, which I think is called Sacred Ground. Let me click. Uh, uh-oh. God damn it. Where is it? Hold on They a picked that name very quickly after the movie came out, too. The movie which, came out in, like, 81. My Bloody Valentine? Yeah. They were right on it. They were yeah, aware. apparently. Uh, the next one is Sacred like, Ground. It is Sacred it's Ground. It's like if I called my next band Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> Avatar 2. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. We that will... would have been a great joke for the last ten years if I had a band <laughs> called Avatar Two. <laughs> it's like, like how you. It's like how everybody used to say like something something. That's like their Chinese democracy, but you can't say that anymore because <laughs> that album came out. And much like Cameron, your audience would just be like, "I wish he was just a little bit more fuckable." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Thanks, everybody, for work listening. Work on our luck. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time.